All right, everybody, good to see y'all. Uh, we have some people back on the bed with us here for a while, people who are recovering and who are recovered. So praise God for that. And good to see y'all. Thank you for braving the rain, the weather. Special welcome to you if you're new. Good to see you again every time. So Father, we come to you grateful for everything that uh, we've talked about now. We thank you for we thank you for grace. You you help us. Uh, you help us in a, in a in the largest sense in Christ Jesus on the cross for us and help us to learn about these things as as Jesus you come today and you you, you speak and you call and you present yourself as holy and sovereign and powerful help us to experience what Peter did as we get into the text today and uh, to open our eyes to you as as Peter's eyes were open to you and pray that you would do that work within us, Spirit. Thank you for your amazing grace to, to build this place and to make a people built. And um, we pray that that would continue. We thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you for the people who, whose ailments you have given grace towards and whose hearts are relieved to be on the other side of uh, fearful surgeries and such and ailments. And we have a lot to give thanks for. So may we begin now even and continue even after we say amen. And for your wonderful name, we pray. Amen.
his bride by his costly sacrifice we're invited see the wisdom of his ways in the mystery of grace every age and every race we are united So we got rid of all of our kiddos. But I know looking at some of you, some of you are, are kiddos, only your bodies are just a little bit older than kiddos. Some of you just have arrested development. That is, uh, there's still growing up to do. And um, some of us, I know, are just the, the model of maturity, right? Well, I'm guessing that probably if you answered yes to any of those questions, it was the first two. And if that, if that was the case, then you are in the right place. Um, today, as we look at the book of Luke, we're going to be exploring what it means to grow in the Lord and be transformed in the Lord. But before we get to that space, um, I just want to celebrate something real quick. And that is uh, there was a person uh, in our church about, um, uh, I don't know, probably a couple of months ago who was saying, my life is going good, but I have to get a heart valve. Uh, repaired and replaced and uh, I don't know what that means and I'm a little nervous and then somebody prayed for her and then she went and had that done and it was uh, a kind of a tough recovery time but here we are life is good again right well on the way and we're talking about Joyce Wolfgang uh, so Joyce glad to have you with us today and I know there's other things that we can celebrate uh, but I just wanted to lift that up because I know a lot of us have been praying for her and uh, just asking God to give her her strength back. And for our people online, if you have anything that you want to celebrate, please uh, type it in to um, uh, underneath. I think there's, uh, there's, an, there's an IM there. And uh, we want to celebrate whatever it is that you have going on in your life that um, God is uh, blessing you in some way. 
Uh, we just want to recognize that and lift that back up to him. Uh, so as we do that, let's go ahead and just invite him into our gathering. Would you bow with me? Our, our Father, as we begin uh, this first day of the week, as we take our hearts and our minds and all of the distractions of our lives that we bring into this place, so much of it, Lord, is just the result of living in a broken world and the overflow of that flows into our lives and we, we feel anxious, we're worried, sometimes we're afraid. At other times, Lord, uh, we find that peace that passes all understanding. And always, Lord, we know that you are a faithful presence, that you promise you will never leave us or forsake us. And especially in this gathering where we're with so many people, both present and in spirit online, there is a sense that we are the body, and we are your people, and even more than that, we are your family. And it's such a consolation, Lord, to know that we are, we are bound together by the commonality that we have in our allegiance to Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we just invite you into this space together with us that we would hear your voice in the ways that the people that first um, were on the uh, landscape of Galilee and Judea were able to experience your presence. And we know through your word there is that living, just um, rippling out into space and time of your voice into places all over the world throughout time. And so we are here to hear from you. And we thank you, Father, that you have sent your Son so that we could have a light and we could discover life, and we could be a changed people. I thank you for those times where we experience change, whether it is physically or whether it is in our own relationship with other people or our relationship with you or within ourselves. Thank you for being with Joyce and for helping her through this season, for all of the believers that have come alongside her in prayer and have just lifted her up and supported her through this. And just her testimony and how she felt those prayers and how they made all the difference. And I know there are others in this room who could say the same thing. And for that, I truly am grateful that no matter what we face, the challenges that are out there for us to be a part of, we experience them not alone, but with you and with your people. And so there's such strength, Lord, in being in community together this first day of the week. Help us to be aware of what you're doing in our own lives, how it is that you're, you need to speak to us today, and what it is that we need to hear. And Father, as we look at what you're doing in the lives of people around us, help us to see what you're doing in their lives and help us to say the words that you prompt us to say in a way that uh, builds up the body here. We thank you, Lord. We just invite you here in Jesus' name. Amen. As uh, we move into this part of Luke, Luke chapter 5, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to, um, uh, to continue to uh, explore uh, the keystone habits of Jesus. And hopefully you've been doing that as uh, you've gone through this Lent devotional time together. Um, it, is a, it is really a, a way to reset. <laughs> 
habits perhaps that we have not been paying careful enough attention to. And this past week, we've looked at the habit of being together in community. And there's nothing like being around people. And if you've read in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in the Keystone Habit book, the, the Power Habits of Jesus, uh, you know that there is a, a laboratory in Minnesota where the, uh, the, all of the conditions necessary to create isolation, total and complete isolation, uh, have been created so that when a person goes into this room and they start to experience that isolation, it's interesting how psychologically it begins to impact people very quickly. And just within the span of a few minutes in that room, people will say, let me out. This is just honestly too much. I can't bear it. And the, um, the longest anybody spent in there was even less than an hour. And when they did, it was like, I've got to get out or I'm going to have a psychotic episode and it's not going to be good. But they talk about how their, 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 their lives would start to be overwhelmed with a sense of foreboding. And there would be this sense of, of, um, of, of having just dark, dark thoughts and even suicidal thoughts. And how it is that isolation is something that um, we are not made for. And we know that the scripture tells us at the very beginning of the story, it is not good for man to be alone. And it is of necessity that God created Eve and then out of that union sprang the family of humanity. But where it breaks down is when we lose the ability to relate to one another in the healthiest way possible. Now, my wife has been uh, binge-watching The Office on, on DVD. I got it for her for uh, Christmas. And it's interesting to watch this community of people in The Office who... Uh, have their lives basically uh, docudrama uh, 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 explored by the camera that's always present and the dialogue that's always occurring. And what I like about this show is as I'm watching it on the couch with her, I'm doing my work over here and she's watching it on her computer, uh, it's interesting how these people are all drawn to being in community together. But you also, as you watch the show, I've noticed some trends, and that is everybody's got their own sort of dysfunction. They've got their own pathologies, their own idiosyncrasies, the things that cause them to drive one another crazy. And a lot of the office is really premised on the fact that broken people having to spend eight hours a day together can be very challenging and pretty comical. And even as the storyline unfolds, you can see uh, the depth of the characters. And at first, you find very appealing qualities. But as you start to see them make decisions, you discover that, well, they're just kind of like any of us. We all make decisions that aren't always, uh, uh, th th they can be short-sighted, and we don't always think through the consequences of them. And there's a longing, I think, for a sense of unity and a sense of togetherness and a sense of everyone is working together for one another. And it really is probably one of the most popular shows that have com come on the, the, um, the television in the last uh, 20 years, uh, widely and wildly popular for those very reasons. And that notion of community is something that runs deep with us. 
And as we explore the book of Luke, we find that up until now, we've been focusing a lot on the life of Jesus. And Jesus is going gangbusters, sharing the word throughout the, the landscape of Galilee, mostly parts of Judea, but mostly in the northern part of the Holy Land, making sure that the good news of the kingdom is broadcast as loudly and as clearly as possible. And as people are starting to follow him, the concern begins to emerge that there's not enough Jesus to go around. And this is where Luke tells us he starts to zoom in on a character that he wants to incorporate in his own version of office. That is his own community of people that he is establishing. And so I want to just uh, look with you today at Luke chapter 5. And we go from a wide-angle lens of Luke chapters 1 through 4 to focusing in on one individual in particular. And so let's just take a look at the scripture and, and have a, have a um, uh, basically a, 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 an insider's view of the life of someone who, um, as Luke will show us, we're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of this first um, disciple that stands out. So here we read these words. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. Um, I just want to disrupt this for a second and ask Connor if you'll show the slide of the lake. Okay, so if you can get an image of the Sea of Galilee, and you see that inlet uh, right there uh, near the middle of the, of the picture? And that inlet is actually just a natural feature that Jesus utilizes to be able to share the good news of, to the people in Galilee. And so just kind of keep that imagery in mind as I continue on with the text. So let's just jump back into it. So we read that uh, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, and Mark uses the word rabbi when he describes this story, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now, I want to stop right there and just recap a little bit of what we've just uh, seen in this text. And if you'll, you, you'll notice, Jesus is sharing so much information that is so fresh and so unfamiliar that people are drawn to it. And the thing that they really like about what they're hearing is that for the first time and maybe perhaps their whole life, They've heard the word of the Lord spoken through an individual in a way that just seemed authentic, like it just had the mark of, hey, this guy's the real deal. And 
it became so captivating when you heard him speak that they couldn't help but go and just gossip about it and tell everybody, hey, this Jesus. And as people were beginning to just form a critical mass, Jesus realized that this is getting to be a challenge beyond the range of how he's done this so far. That is, he'd come to a group like this and he would speak, but pretty soon it would become so vast that uh, the crowd would, would, would basically block the ability for the sound to travel. And in this case, he took this challenge and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to ask these fishermen over here, one of them that I know because I spent some time at his mother-in-law's house just a while back, if I can get in their boat. And when I do, I'm going to allow the acoustics of the still water to be able to transmit the message out to the people. And so Jesus asked them, can I... No, he actually told them, uh, Peter, I need you to let me get into your boat so that I can speak. And what Peter didn't realize is that as Jesus was a miracle worker for sure, and Jesus was trying to bring a message that was so fresh and new, he didn't realize that Jesus was actually speaking to him first and then kind of everybody else. Now, I know a lot of times when I've, I've preached that people will come up to me and they will say, did you, did you write that message just for me? And anybody ever have that experience? Like, you're just talking to me. And it's really not me singling out anybody. It's just me taking what God's shown me in, this, in the scripture and done the work in my heart and my mind so that I can communicate it, while at the same time, I've discovered this. During the course of your week, during the course of your day, this moment as we come together, God has also been orchestrating things in the background so that when we meet in this space, he's already been doing the, 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 the background work in your life and mine. And that's something I cannot wrap my mind around. And it has a lot to do with the sovereignty of God. And as Peter is being singled out here, essentially Jesus is giving a sermon, and we have no idea what it's about. But based on what we discover in this last statement, it probably had a lot to do with him. I mean, I, I have to be honest with you, I've been preaching for so long. I haven't spent a lot of time in the pews but I have had a few occasions where I've sat in the pew and I've heard the message. And it, it, it was right to the point, so specific to my own life, I kind of wish the pews were a little bit higher so I could kind of crawl underneath them. And that, in effect, is how Peter felt. Like, man, this is a little bit too intense. And I, I just don't know. I, I think Jesus is somebody special Clearly, he has compassion, and he is a man from God. But he's been zeroing in on me during the course of this whole message so much that I'm getting very, very uncomfortable. You see, Peter had a life that was a career that I think probably was, was a good career. Being a fisherman in a region that had a wonderful climate and he could go out and catch as many fish as he wanted to and 
people obviously in that region of the world ate a lot of fish. And so there was no shortage of people to sell to. And it was a pretty good life. And he was probably starting out, some people guess, right around 20, maybe 25 at the latest. But I'm sure he was in the space where I'm kind of settled in my career, kind of enjoying where this is going. And I got a crew of people, we're working together, and we're tight. And we all kind of understand each other. We can almost complete each other's sentences. And when it comes time to fish, we've got a pretty solid game going here. And I can only imagine that it's going to get better. His life had kind of found an equilibrium, sort of an order, you know. But the way Jesus works in your life and mine is he takes the order that we are in and then he throws in an element of disorder for a purpose because his goal isn't to just leave us in a state of confusion and disorder but rather to wreck our world or I'll just say charitably reframe how we look at the world so that he can reorder our lives around him. And we're going to discover when we go through the book of Luke, Peter has to go through this order, disorder, reorder experience more than once. And I can't wait to kind of track with him and show you how that happens. Because I believe the reason why Luke is zooming in on Peter after he spent so much time on Jesus is because Peter in so many ways is just like you and I. There is something about his life that when I read his experiences, even up to the point of denying Jesus on the cross, and I read how he misreads situations like the transfiguration, and how he is so zealous to go after the things of God, but at the same time not really knowing what he's doing. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I'm with you. And the thing that's so encouraging, just as a little teaser along the way, is that despite the fact that Peter isn't a perfect apostle right out of the gate, starting out as a disciple making a lot of mistakes Jesus still loves him and he shows that repeatedly Jesus still forgives him and he doesn't let go of that so much so that as this moment of crisis is happening I think Peter's been doing the math. And I think during the sermon, Peter was doing the math. And I have to believe, I'm sorry for the sound. I have to believe that as he's doing the math, he's thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this. And perhaps you've been there. I can't surrender my life to Jesus. I can't after I surrender my life to Jesus, I can't go to church and be around people. And then Jesus folds us into the church. And then after we're here for a while, it's like, I can't serve. 
And then all of a sudden we find ourselves serving. And then we get a sense of this thing is about mission. I can't think about evangelizing people and sharing the good news. But all of these things are I can't moments, depart from me moments that led to the eventual complete and full surrender of the life of Peter. And you, my friends, are looking at the very beginning of that experience right here. And as Jesus is telling him, I, um, I've got a word for you. And I think in some ways he's testing him. Peter, can I get in your boat? Well, since you're Jesus, yeah, but we generally don't let any, just anybody on the boat. But because you healed my mother-in-law, it's okay. Peter, hey, I know you've been fishing all night. I know you're tired. I know you guys are just completely spent. But how about if you take, push the boat out, drop the nets, see what happens? It'd be like me telling my friend Jeff Faust, um, Jeff, I'm going to go and install tanks in people's yards. How about it? Can I borrow all your equipment to do it? And he would say, I don't know, Leonard. I think maybe you should probably leave that up to us professionals. And that would be the right answer. But when you look at what Peter is being asked to do, Jesus is saying, hey, I can fish, right? Peter's like, I would not let anybody tell me what to do in this role because we've got a pretty solid game here, and if there are no fish out there, there are no fish out there. But because you say, I'll do it, we'll do it. So he drops the nets in the water, which, of course, you never do during the day because the fish can see it and they run off. But the funny thing happened along the way to the fishing spot. All the fish just started congregating in that space. And then when the net was dropped, it became so overburdened that it began to break. And when the fish were pulled into the boat, the boat became so overburdened that it began to capsize. And clearly something is happening here of a magnitude that is not of this world. And it is a miracle. And Peter is saying, I am overwhelmed, not just by what I heard in the message, but by this miraculous feat that has specific things to do with my specific world. And I can only say, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And maybe God is working your life in a way that has started to kind of mount up and pile on, and he's telling you something. He's telling you that he might create some disorder in your world because... There is some reordering that needs to happen. And I love that this story is in there because it helps us as believers to look at our own lives and say, I don't know if I can do this. But as I look at the unfolding of the life of Peter on widescreen at the theater for everybody to see, I see a lot of myself in that. So 
Peter is at a moment of crisis, and then we discover that there's a decision that's made. And I just want to move on into the next verses. Let's take a look. And for he and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus told, said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will no longer be taking dead fish to the market, but you will be catching live people for the kingdom. And then we read, they brought their boats to the land, and they, they left everything and followed him. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This was just one guy, Peter. And yet, they left everything and followed. The one thing that I've discovered in reading passages like this, especially as an American, because I can remember when I heard the gospel, and it was from a television preacher, and I just kind of started reading the red letters of the Bible and hearing, really, the voice of Jesus in my soul, and I'm like, wow, this is real. And then I remember hearing a person on TV preaching the good news, and as I listened, I thought, I need to respond to that. And they said, you know, after this, if you want to lower your head and, and, and just pray this prayer with me, um, Lord, I, I'm a sinner, and I believe that you are uh, not only Lord, but you are Savior, and I want to turn away from all the things that I've done up till now, and I want to turn towards you, and I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. And if you prayed that prayer with me, you are, you are now part of his family. And I really felt it. And I thought that was awesome. But there was something that God was saying to me after that that I struggled with. That was, Leonard, now you got to go to church. Now you got to take this belief that you have in Jesus and you got to be a part of a body of people. That I struggled with. I mean, this is 1982. Uh, church music wasn't something that a long-haired, plaid-wearing, blue-jean person would really be interested in. Um, took a deep, deep breath, and I asked my sister, I said, Mickey, can you tell me where I can find a church? Because I don't even know anything about churches. And she said, well, yeah, you can go to Grandma's church. I thought, well, at least they'll know my grandma. And so I went there, and they were wonderful. And there was something about their demeanor that I found very compelling. And you know what it was? It was what people look like when they know that they are loved by God. I mean, people that get up in the morning and they have an assurance that despite everything else, they are unconditionally loved by God. 
And I say that because I know there are a lot of people that don't, don't, don't know that. They get up, they look at the day, and they say, it is a glass half-empty day, and I hope I survive. There are other people that get up and they recognize they are loved by God and no matter what they have to face in the course of the day, God's love is stronger than any opposition or any challenge or anything that would try to overwhelm them. And there's a sense that when you recognize that you are loved by God, you are the object of his desire, you are the one and one of the many reasons why he came into the world in the first place. You are John 3.16, for God so loved your name. And to be a part of a community of people that operated out of the love of God was definitely unexpected. It was disordering because most of the people that I had ran across up to that point were kind of in their own way out for themselves. But there was something different. And Peter experienced this, I think, just looking at Jesus. I mean, have you ever heard the statement, God is love? And have you ever been, have you ever had those kind of sublime or profound moments where you just were overwhelmed with the love of God? I have to believe that when Jesus showered compassion upon Peter and law, Peter's mother-in-law, there was a sense of love that just flowed into that room. And I can't help but think, that the love of Christ that flowed from the eyes and the presence of Jesus into Peter's life didn't overwhelm him. If you fast forwarded, and we're going to go over this again, to near the end of Luke's telling of the book of Luke's uh, part of Peter's life, not to confuse you, but it goes on in the book of Acts where there's a dramatic change that happens at the end of the book. And this is sort of how it goes. Peter has gone through a series of misadventures. He has certainly surfaced his ignorance and many times went running ahead of the game instead of following God's timing on things. There were times when Peter was so bold that it was, it was counterproductive. And then there was that moment where Jesus, in that spirit of love, said, Peter, before the, before the rooster crows two times, you will have already denied me three times. Now, can you imagine hearing that? You're, you're being told by the master words about your own forthcoming betrayal? after you've spent three years with him? And Peter, of course, is like, there is no way that's going to happen. I can assure you, you're wrong, even though you are Jesus. And then we know how it goes, don't we? 
If you're new to the experience, this part of the story is pretty ugly because there comes a point where Jesus in all of that love and all of that giving himself to the world is finally having to face defeat on the part of the people that have been his antagonists the whole time. And to rub salt into the wound, just as he's getting arrested, his followers are saying, I know we've been with you for three years and we've experienced your profound love, but we are out. And then Peter is challenged face to face by people that recognize him as one of that community of people that banded with Jesus, his disciples. Peter says, I don't know the man. And then you can hear the sound of the farm in the background and the crushing effect that it had on his soul. And then the scripture says that he looked at the gaze of Jesus up on the cross in all of his brokenness and pain and suffering and abandonment. And he saw eyes of love. And then the scripture says this. He went off and he wept bitterly. It was too much. There's something very powerful that happens when Jesus comes into our lives. It is a disordering force, there's no question. And everything that Peter needed to be transformed into is laid out before us in the telling of, the, of, of his story. And painfully so. Because I know that every one of us in this room and find contentment in various ways in this life. But we also know that God has ways of speaking to us and responding to our circumstances that are upsetting. And as Rich keeps bringing, bringing up, oftentimes the truth will make you mad. You'll be offended by it. You don't want to hear it. But then when you realize it's the truth. It starts to set you free. You embrace it. And you recognize, yeah, I needed to hear that. Because I need to change in this one area. The call here for Peter is simply to change vocations from being fishermen of dead fish to a fisherman that has live catches that become people that are changed and transformed, embraced and adopted into God's family. They are, to use loose language, they are, they are called from darkness to light. They are called from the, from the wide path to the narrow path. They are called into a a, a family versus being outsiders. There's a lot of changes that happen here. And so I just want to ask the question, is there something that God is doing in your life that's upsetting you? Is there something that's been nagging at you? 
is there something that you know you need to surrender to him, but you're not quite ready to let it go? And I'm guessing all of us could say, if we were honest, the answer to that question is yes. And it may be simply, he's been calling me to be a part of his family to trust him with my life for a long time. And this may be God's way of saying, it's time. And he may be saying, he's been calling me to be a greater part of the church, and I've been resistant for a long time. And God may be saying, it's time. We've all gone through our moment of order 2020 has been disorder, and you hope that 2021 is going to be some kind of reorder. And perhaps the best way to get engaged with God's reordering process is to follow his prompting as he calls you further into the journey. Would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, we look at this text in such a fresh way as we look at the life of Peter because in so many ways it really is just an embodiment of ourselves. Lord, we have sins in our lives that make your sense of holiness and righteousness and deep and profound love. It just makes us feel like we're not worthy. Yet you came into our world and you died so that we could be claimed as worthy, exchanging our unrighteousness for your righteousness on the cross. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that. And I just pray for anyone here who needs to surrender, despite your own sinfulness, to the lordship and the and, and, and everything that the Savior is about in Jesus to do so right now. And I ask, Father, that as you call us into a family, that you help us to surrender even more of ourselves as we commit to a body that has you, Lord Jesus, as the head. And perhaps we've done that, Lord, and we need to surrender once again to the mission of sharing the good news with our friends, with people that we know, acquaintances, to let them know that the reason why we love is because we are a loved people and we want to share with others the one who loves us so much. Lord, if you're doing a work in our hearts, I pray that we would just settle it now. Lord, we're getting ready to to be with you in a spirit of communion as we prepare to take it together. I pray for everyone's heart that we would be in that state where we push out all the distractions and we allow the image of your son on that bloodstained cross to gaze at us with those eyes of love. And through that gaze, Lord, help us to examine our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
things back to the scripture that Hunter worked from today. And, and I put meaning to the words that he shared and that was read for us. You listen to a group of gentlemen who were fishermen, men who fished for food which met the needs of our body and hunger. And Jesus took those mere fishermen and transformed them into fishermen who now fed their spirit, their soul, and helped them to lead other men to where Jesus is at. We have an opportunity to come together today and to pray at this table, to be with Jesus and to take of the elements that have sacrificial meanings in our lives. As we take them, may we continue to focus on the cross and on the reality of the cross and what it means to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this opportunity to come together to worship you and to know that you are with us, you walk beside us, you pick us up, and you push us at those times that we need that extra effort. Father, we know as we listen to the message this morning and listen to the scripture that in trusting you, we're able to do all things. You love us, you care for us, and you will provide for us in all things. As we partake of these elements, Father, may we feel the sacrifice that you made and be able to follow you closer. Turn on the lights for other people so that they may see as we all strive to follow you and be your true children of Christ. These things we ask in your blessed name. Amen. Before we go today, I also want to share with you a ministry that we are going to be starting here at First Christian. I'm thankful to a friend who shared this with me because I believe it's something that was on all of our hearts and this particular person in sharing it enabled us to move forward. As we look at that again, and going back to the scripture today, I think this is God working within all of our lives. Our ministry basically is going to be called a telecare ministry. And what we're looking for is individuals who, throughout the course of the week, would be willing to give 
10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, to call on the phone members of our congregation. We're going to start at the beginning, and we are going to attempt to call everyone within the church within a two-week period and maintain that communication with those people throughout time. Over the last several months, we've gone through some challenges, let's just say. And I think we have lost focus with a lot of people, and we need to recommunicate. Um, in reading a lot of articles about communication, and I think um, many of you fall into that category with, with, with me, as we look at communication, in our world today, we have more forms of communication than we have ever had with not only the telephone, with the cell phone, with the computer, um, emails, uh, texting, and Googling, and Facebooking, and whip whopping mean whatever the heck they all are. You know, we got so many of them out there that we can use. But yet statistics are very, very clear that as a world group of people, we are much, much worse at communicating today than we've ever been. Because we type it out, or we post it, or we do whatever with it. We don't talk to people. We talk at them. So, we're hoping through telecare that in talking to people, we can reconnect and get them back into God's world because some of them have fallen away. What we will basically do is this. If you're interested in helping, if you'll just please contact me or contact Brittany, and we will set up a meeting, and we'll explain a little bit more and some of the uh, particulars of the program. But again, it's going to be very, very simple. You're going to pick up the phone. You're going to dial the person's number that we're going to give you, and you are going to simply say to them, Hi, this is Denny Niederhuser, and I'm from First Christian Church, and I just wanted to call and talk to you today and ask you, is there some way that we can pray for you? That's it. That's it. You're not going to ask them to come to church. You're not going to ask them to tithe. You're not going to ask them to be on the uh, blueberry pie committee or whatever you want to call it. You're going to ask them, how can you pray for them? And after that, you're going to record their responses. Um, you're going to listen to what they have to say. And that's it. It's that simple. And you can pray with them. Exactly. You're going to pray with them. Let them decide where you're going to go with it. All right? That's, that's the ministry. It's, it's very simple. It's very easy, but we need to reconnect with people, period. So, am I within my time period, Haas? Am I okay? Yeah, we'll give you another. Another guy's awesome, isn't he? Um, if you're interested, please contact me, contact Brittany. We'll get in contact with you, and um, we're going to set up, again, a group meeting. We'll go over the other parameters. We've got a lot. Everything's worked out. You will, you will simply have to do one thing. Pick up your phone, dial the number we give you, and talk to the person. That's it, period. All right? 
It's not going to be a lengthy procedure where there's going to be a meeting every month or there's going to be a meeting every day or I'm going to call you. It's not going to happen. You are all adults. We're all adults, even though Leonard put us in those categories this morning um, that some of us aren't quite where we're supposed to be. And thank you because my wife already reminded me of that. But anyway, it's okay. Um, I, we need to do this. It's important. There are a lot of people out there that need to hear from us. So please, if you're interested, just, you know, give me a call. Give Brittany a call, and we'll get you on the list. Thank you. Just to clarify, it's telecare. So if Denny calls you up asking for money, you hang up. <laughs> just so you at home hear this, Hoss, it's a 1-900 number, so don't worry. Exciting. Uh, if you want to stand up, we'll uh, we'll sing out.
Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word that we got to hear today. Thank you that your word grinds against us. You're a king who comes into our kingdom. You can walk right through the walls. And we, we love our throne. We love to sit on it. But then we see you coming. And we see this God who is advancing us by his word. And we're ashamed because we know that you're a better king than we are. And so we leave that throne. And what do we see is when we open our eyes is a king who's there to raise our heads up and say, don't be afraid. So help us to do the work of dethroning ourselves that you would take your rightful place. Help us by the power of your spirit, because it's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. Help us grant us a community with each other, because it's nothing we can do without your people either. Help us to be free of the darkness that we're in and let go of the darkness that we're holding on to. Because you're worth it. You're the true and better king of our lives, Lord Jesus. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Thank you. Amen. All right, go get your kids. If you'd like to hear more, if anything stuck with you today and you want to hear more about it, stay after. We're going to go into digging deeper in a few minutes here, and uh, we'll see you soon. God bless.